again, my friends, to your church of heavy metal that is Thunderdome Metal Reviews. I am the Reverend Ben Lindsay, and with me are Tracy Newport and Dr. David Pizzo. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing pretty good, doing pretty good. I had early Thanksgiving, so I'm full of carbs and ready to rant about Seven Dust. That sounds amazing, actually. Yeah, um, no, I'm just carb raging right now. I'm, I'm ready for some carbs. Yeah, I am. I am unfortunately not. I'm not full of carbs that I didn't bring with me into the recording. So, that's fair. Alas. Um, so yes, yeah, Seven Dust, Blood and Stone, their 13th studio album, released on October 23rd of this year, 2020, from Studio Barbarossa in Gotha, Florida, is where it was recorded. On the label Rise, the producer was Michael Elvis Basquet. The runtime is 49 minutes and 18 seconds. The band at the time of recording as was John Witherspoon on lead vocals, Clint Lowry on lead guitar and backing vocals, John Connolly, rhythm guitar and backing vocals, Finney Hornsby on bass and backing vocals, and Morgan Rose on drums and backing vocals. And this was your pick for an album that came out in October, correct? I don't know, I just did that to both of you, but I meant David. Yeah, yes. I, I sure did because I fucking love Seven Dust. Uh, and you know, uh, it, they've put out a lot of albums. <laughs> what is I think the thirteenth? Yep, thirteenth. Thirteenth, uh, and they can be a tiny bit hit or miss, and I'll talk about that. I know you don't always like evaluating one band's album against their other albums, but um, yeah, I was excited that this came out, and the first couple tracks that they sort of drip released uh, were really good, so I was pumped. Going into listening to this, the only one that I had heard was their cover, The Day I Tried to Live, which is the last track on the album. And of course, that's the Soundgarden song. And it was incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's quite Which cool. is hard to do, Soundgarden, because Chris Cornell was such a dynamic vocal talent. But um, I had heard a couple of their singles, but I, I don't think I'll return to them. Like you guys that I heard, like, okay. I knew it was Seven Dust. I was like, I'm going to listen to this that comes out anyways. So I don't really have to spend too much time on focusing on their singles. And I already seen David put it on the list. I'm like, all right, I'm going to get well enough familiarized with it. But I was excited for it when I knew it was coming out. Yeah. So um, first impressions, who wants to go with those since this was a new album that we were all coming into fresh pretty much? Well, I guess I'll lead and I'll, I'll second David's opinion that Seven Dust has been a bit hit or miss in their career. And so there was a little trepidation. I was excited here because the new Seven Dust album, but it was trepidation in how I would feel about the quality of the album once it came out. And I am happy to say this album checks the boxes of what I expect of a Seven Dust album. I think it's a really good album. It does have that typical Seven Dust style where they do have some killer heavier tracks on it, but they also bring in a couple of the more soft and melodic tracks that they're also known to do in each of their albums. And I think they really do a great job in this. And I was a big fan of their, is it, what's Blackout the Sun's the one I have to call day memory, right, David? Yes, I believe so. Yep. I was a big fan of that one and Kill the Flaw, but I was not a fan of their one in 2018 that was All I See Is War. I feel like they, Ugh, yeah. A couple of things just didn't connect with that one. And I feel like this one, they returned back to more of what they had hit with Kill the Fall and Blackout the Sun. 
I agree with that 100%. Because I really liked Kill the Flaw. I thought that was actually one of their best albums of the 13, shockingly. Uh, but I thought All I See Is War. And I've got, Ben and I saw that tour. They were good. They're always fucking good. Oh, yeah. No, they were really good. And, and it wasn't a lineup change. Their lineup changes have been very minimal. Like Clint Lowry left for a bit. But otherwise, compared to God Help Us Fear Factory, or another band we'll be talking about soon, it was Moore's Principum Est. Like, they've had a lot of continuity. But something just... I, I refuse to say they dialed it in because I think they're always pretty good, but it just, I think you said it well, Tracy, it just didn't click. It just didn't work. Um, I think this is the best album since Kill the Flaw. And I also like Black Lives of the Sun, but I didn't like Cold Day Memory that much. So they've, there, there's been more than once where they just sort of something about the album didn't quite sit right. It's hard because Seven Dust, Home, Animosity, Seasons, those first four albums are four of my favorite albums of all time, Period. Period. Uh, and so, and they're self-titled, right? Because as you said, three, and I was trying to figure yeah, out the fourth one. I meant, was, excuse me, okay. I meant that's uh, Seven Dust is their self-titled. That's what I yeah. Mean. The, those first four albums are so fucking good, uh, and there are amazing songs on Next and Alpha. But you know, I felt like until actually Black Out the Sun and then Kill the Flaw, they sort of lost the magic a tiny bit. Well, uh, I feel so, yeah. Cold Dead Memory, I feel like it's a turn to form. Like they started making themselves the right way. Like it's a solid album, but it's not amazing chapter seven i was one where i was like mm, okay this one's kind of kind of rough man nah, there's some good songs on it and i'm sorry again ben we're talking about all these other albums <laughs> but the point is this is a return to form i feel yes. like this one really is as good as kill the flaw or cold day memory was or excuse me blackout the sun was uh and you know it's always they're always well produced they always play their instruments great i mean that's never an issue it's just something about the songwriting. And I do like this album has a pretty, as they often do, a pretty balanced uh, ratio between sort of, as Tracy put it, sort of the more melodic tracks and then the sort of throat punching stuff that they do. It's interesting to me how, that they've survived because so much of what was around them did not. You know, in terms of their new ultimately, maybe. I know. Yeah, I wonder if you want to say anything about this band. Like they, because I'm, I, what would you even call them? What I would call them is I would call them, and this would might start a fight, but uh, I would call this commercial rock metal. I mean, okay, I can see that. Because I, I, I mean, I there was that one as well. There is not an, a track on this album. I mean, as you pointed out, that they're all incredibly well played. The, the production on this album is so good, and I could imagine hearing every one of the, these on terrestrial radio. Yeah, and it wouldn't like, be out of place uh, at all. Yeah, it's yeah. it's definitely uh, bordering on jukebox rock, and I guess it always has been. But there's but he's so good, and that's the thing. I know they lean on Lejean a lot, but I would also say Clint's playing. Clint Lowry is an amazing fucking guitarist, and the the playing on this album. Maybe that's one of. I think Lejean is almost always pretty consistent. Agreed. Yeah. Right, like I feel like that, and that sometimes can almost carry them. That's kind of how I felt about All I See Is War. But this is one where, for whatever reason, the stars aligned and Lowry's playing shit, dude. I mean, he's always good, but uh, I felt it was more inspired. So it may be commercial sort of jukebox rock, but it is it is inspired, effective jukebox rock. Well, it is, and LaJohn, as she said, is such a good vocalist that... I mean, of the the bands that came out in '97 with their debut albums, I, he's probably the best vocalist. I mean, and I can't think of anybody who, who exactly is in that class, but I can't think of anybody else that immediately comes to mind. And I think that dude is just an awesome vocalist. 
you know, but LeJohn is. I think LeJohn could do anything. Yeah, I mean, he's such a diverse vocalist, and he has this, I guess you say, almost a bit of like a, a soulfulness, I guess you can say, that a lot of metal singers don't have. And I'm just going to put it out sounds. That's the black experience. That Yeah, you know, like them, like Howard from Howard Jones from Killswitch has it as well. Yeah. Like, I guess being black adds a little bit of soul to the voice that makes is a very Different nice touch. Background. <laughs> totally, you know. Just like yeah. Well, he has a voice that can fill a room that yes. doesn't necessarily need to be amplified. There's a presence there. So you're right. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, going back to you guys talking about commercial rock, like these guys, I remember reading articles and magazines from 04, 06, and then more internet stuff later on about talking about Seven Deaths of the Next Big Band. And then about 2011, I read an article like what happened with Seven Dust, and it goes into like how they got fucked and a couple record contracts that just screwed them financially. There were divorces, there was illnesses. No, they've had a really rough run. And like uh, these guys have stuck through it for the most part through thick and thin and like really a testament to, I guess, their in a sense, relationship with each other in the band and then also their dedication to the craft. Yeah, I can't believe they survived some of that. It makes me mad at other bands that I won't name that did not survive pettier shit than this, but we don't have to talk about yeah. it. Band's named Beer Factory. I don't want to talk about it. I just that's exactly what I'm talking. And and I wasn't there, I wasn't in the room. But if seven this horrible stuff happened to them and they just they're still not rich, they're still working. I mean, they were that was a cool show we saw them at Ben, but that venue was tiny. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Um and I'll I'll say that they're always at least, you know, seven dust, like while we talk about their other albums not being great, they're always at least good. Like I don't think sure. I feel like good is okay because chapter seven I could listen to it, but it's definitely not my preferred album by them. But I will say on this album, I felt like you know the drummer does some of the backing vocals, and I feel like they kind of pulled back on this compared to some of their other albums. I to agree. The of, actually, at, to the point at times I was like, "Is he still in the band?" I didn't know if he was or not. I thought he, he also was. had massive health issues. Um, maybe I don't know. I, forgive me. Yeah, I should have read up more, but I, yeah, I, they've had a lot of problems. Morgan Rose. I'm looking right now because the age of the internet. Uh, let's see. Well, you're looking at that. I agree with you. Your comment. They are always good. I, I don't know that I would go see a show that was headlined by Seven Dust. But if Seven Dust was one of the supporting acts or even the co-headliner, then yeah, I would go. Um because they are always solid. They're great live. This is their 13th album. And there are songs on this album, which we'll get to in a moment, that I'd really like. But if you've got 13th album and you can't put together a 45-minute to an hour-and-a-half set, you probably don't need to have 13 albums out. You know what I'm saying? And these guys can do it. And uh, again, I mean, it's kind of workmanlike in a way. And I, I don't mean that in a bad way, I just mean that these are professionals who are going to go into a studio and have really well-written songs that are catchy. And some people, especially when you're talking about the metal genre, would find that offensive that, oh, you're calling these guys commercial. That means they're so sold out. No, they're just songs that are good and they can be played in pretty much any occasion. And there's a place for that in metal. Not everything has to be cannibal course. Thank God. I caught your, your swipe there at me. <laughs> yeah, Morgan Rose almost died in the UK. 
oh shit what happened have emergency surgery and more surgery so he wouldn't die no it's and i'm not getting specifics here i remember hearing that yeah like in last year this was december 30th 2019 wow yeah dude so he almost died and so who even knows what his i i wondered that tracy when i was like no they're not using his backup morgan's backup vocals this much i'm not sure he can i don't know what's going on so yeah, I mean, they didn't even start recording. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and they didn't even start recording this until late 2019, and didn't finish recording it until early in the, earlier in this year. So that was right in the middle of all that. Yeah. Yep. Lucky to be alive, or what all these interviews are saying. Shit. Can't have to cancel their UK tour. Have to have another surgery in the next few months. Yeah, it's. To barely move. Yeah, it's it's a miracle. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, it is a miracle. Holy crap. Yeah, because they recorded this after that happened. Yeah, none of these say what it is. Something not good. Yeah. So hard maybe. Way it seems like. Maybe. But he's still on this album. <laughs> so yeah. still playing. So shall we transition into songs? Yeah, we should. This album opens so strong, I feel like. I feel like that first sort of Dying to Live, Love, Blood from a Stone are very good. And as per usual, they pull it back and feel like going on. Um, and then they just really kick it back out with What You Become. Yeah, I mean... Indeed. Yeah, go ahead, Tracy. Oh, I was going <laughs> to say, then, like even in the Kill Me, it's even a little bit on their softer side, but it's still a fantastic song. I mean, I had this problem when I was thinking about the day is because I didn't have a chance to really come like, all right, ooh, I need to add this song because it's been busy at work and stuff. I was like, what songs? And I was kind of thumbing through this album and I was like, okay, remember what songs sounded like and kind of listen to them again quickly. I was like, huh. Like, because we're on the way about it, is that it's hard to go. This song's better than the rest on this album in particular. And I yeah. think they're all really great songs. Even some of their software stuff, like I fucking love Criminal. Yeah, nothing left to see here anymore is really pretty. Yeah. And it gets the world kicks ass. It's yeah, like it's between sort of soft and harder. It's, oh, it's so good. So I kind of follow where Tracy did in that I think that I think that this is an album that you should listen to as an album because all these songs are between very fine and very good. Um, and it kind of depends on the mood and the emotional place you're in as to which one is going to speak to you because they're all that, that high quality. And whoever sequenced this album did a great job beyond the obvious of having the album open with Dying to Live and then closing it with The Day I Tried to Live, which is, quite frankly, it's a little cliche, but it works so well that I can see why they did it. Mm -hmm. um, but every one of these songs is, it, if you're in the right mood, it's going to be like, man, this song gets me. And that speaks to the these guys as songwriters. There's nothing on here that I would pull off and put on another playlist. But there's also nothing that, again, if I was driving somewhere and it came on, that I would be disappointed. I'd be like, oh, cool. There's that Seven Dust song. And, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean... 
this is almost one of those all of these out songs on here, which it's it's kind of hard to hit that on like a newer album, I think. Sure. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's well done. I think it's the best album they put out in five years or longer. And they put out a lot of albums somehow, in spite of being half dead. Yeah, it's just a testament to them because I can't think of. And not that I have all of this information in front of me, but I can't think of a time that they took an extended time off the road, like a couple of year break. Not very long. Uh, I've, yeah, yeah I, I feel like they've been touring every summer. And part of that might be to your point about the bad record deals and divorces and all that stuff. And they just needed to keep the cash rolling in. But uh, these guys are road warriors for sure. Yeah, I think they took a gap in 2002 for a bit after. Uh, the singer drowning pool died a lot of their friends have died too like yeah um yeah Um, brother got murdered i believe if i'm remembering correctly and they took a pat and they took a break when they did the time travelers and bonfires and time travelers and they did an acoustic thing like they kind of did a more relaxed shows if they did any it was a little less road travel for them for sure well, they also did a lot of USO tours during that time because they, they're one of the bands that went over and played in Iraq and Afghanistan. Yeah. I've never so. seen something online like they went like, you know, USO, they typically like, you're in the green area, you're safe here. They're like, all right, we're going to go here where it's not safe and do this. Yeah, I, I don't know about that. I don't know exactly where they were. Like, I, I think it was them and Drowning Pool. Who shows both. Yeah. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I'm looking this up. Yes, LeJohn Witherspoon's younger brother was shot and killed. We also need to give them love because they're a southern metal band out of Atlanta, Georgia. Indeed. Yeah, and I saw I I've this is a band that I've actually followed from the very beginning. I remember when they weren't even Seven Dust yet. (laughs) That Mortal Kombat single or whatever they were on the Mortal Kombat soundtrack. Yeah, with a different name. Um, and then you know I just gotten back from Germany and I picked this album up at the fucking mall in Winston Salem. It's like this is so fucking good. (laughs) And so I've gotten pretty much every album they've ever put out more or less when they put it out which is not true of a lot of other bands and occasionally i've been slightly disappointed but not this one yeah i think rumblefish is what they were initially called uh, i know crawls, they were called crawl space on the mortal kombat album yeah and they may have had a name even before that band but i think they were crawl space on mortal kombat i thought rumblefish was that band with shirley manson in it or no, I know it's a movie. Well, that's that's why they had to change their name from Rumblefish, is because there was a band with another name, and they chose Crawl Space and released My Ruin on the Mortal Kombat soundtrack. Possibly, because there was another band called Crawl Space. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. Shit. Yeah, bro. Yep. No, you're right. I'm looking this up. Yes, I didn't even realize that first iteration of their name. I knew about Crawl Space. Hilarious. Yep. I'm sorry, Seven Dust didn't send them a cease and desist order, the insecticide company, but I guess they never noticed. Like, whatever, yeah. They're maybe an insecticide company. <laughs> maybe. Also, if you're an insecticide company, there are worse things than to have a heavy metal band with your name. That's true. Yeah. But, and they did spell it differently. Clint Lowry is a Lumbee Indian from North Carolina from a dynasty. Oh, shit. Of yeah, I by uh, somebody I went to grad school with dated his father, and he, there's just like this whole family dynasty of 
lumpy, amazing guitar and bass players. The bassist in Stuck Mojo is another yeah. brother. Uh-huh. So I was looking at it, and it seems like Lowry wrote the band in 2004. He did. After was Animosity. And he rejoined for Cold Day Memory. So like that gap there where me and you're like, mm, it's not the best stuff. Was none of the stuff with Lowry in it. Indeed. Yup. No, I think that's what made the difference. Yeah. Study Bay or whatever replaced him. It's entirely possible. All right. I think it's time to grade this thing. Grade it. I'll go ahead and go first. And you two might hate me for this, but that's okay. Um, I think this is a incredibly well-produced and well-played album. Like I said, it is, there is not a damn thing wrong with it other than the fact that it's not great. And it's just a very fine album. So I'm going to give it a B minus. I had initially put you down when you said, you were heavy for it. like, oh, he's good at it. I guess it just no 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 not at all oh I guess about good decks um it's a really good album I don't know exactly where it would fall within the other some of this lineup and their albums I need one more time with that see where it fits but I'm gonna say it's a pretty good album for it's a good album in 2020 standards so I'm gonna go ahead and give it a I'm gonna give it a B plus as well and it may be more as the year goes on but I'm definitely going to be it's made it onto my list of I need to go back and look at this for the end of the year. I thought he gave it a B minus. So when you say as well, <laughs> no, I didn't give it a B minus. I was going to give it a B plus. Because you're right, motherfucker. That is what I'm going to give it. It's I, I would almost put it at A minus. And maybe if I listen to it more, it may creep up there. It's not my favorite Seven Dust album. It still isn't to me quite as good as those first ones. But yeah, I'll give it an 89. This album's good. I'm actually somewhat surprised that this is going to make your review for the end of the year list because it was well, eliminated from contention pretty early on in my listening process for that. <laughs> oh, for me? No, for me. No. no for you. Well, I mean, I didn't have as many as you guys. That's part of the issue is I don't have nearly as many albums as you all sure. do. But and I just yeah. fucking love Seven Dust. But yeah, this album isn't. So I, I, this is out. It's an 89. It's good. Like, I'm going to be coming back to it. Like, I'm not removing it. I'm away. It's gonna give it a little time to set, but right now I have 79 albums on that list, including Seven Dust. So I mean, it's it could wind up at 78. Could wind up. At, yeah, I don't know what would be the best, but we'll see. I mean, I've got like 60, so I'm not that far behind you. But I'm, I'm playing anyway. Catch up I mean, mine are pretty from... mine are pretty well set, and I think this is a good album. You should definitely listen to it. And if you're a, as much of a fan as Tracy and David are, that you would probably enjoy this a little bit more than I do, because I am a fan of Seven Dust. But I will admit that I kind of lost track of their discography sometime around 2007, 2008. So, yeah, you didn't miss much until 2012. Yeah, although they were awesome live when we saw them two years ago. Oh yeah, no, but, they, they yeah. can play. I've seen them in a lot of different venues of different sizes. It's one of the bands I've probably seen more actually. Yeah, I've seen them more than that time, um, just on various tours uh, but I, I again I think that they are they're that supporting band that can probably outplay your your lead band on given nights and sure. some bands aren't secure enough to take them out that way probably but if you get a chance you should definitely see them live 
if we ever get a chance to see live music again. Yeah, dude, that. <sighs> but on that depressing note, Tracy, what are we doing next time? Next time, we are doing my pick for October in Morris Principium S and their new Morse album, Seven. Principium S. Let's see if Ben hates opening as much of this one as he did the first, the last one. It does start off instrumentally again. So there's potential there. <laughs> but you'll have to tune in next time to see it.